Hey, what's up, guys? Today on Muscle Minds, Scott and I talk about injectable L-carnitine and how L-carnitine can interfere with your body's ability to use thyroid hormone. Uh, we also get into a little bit about dosing at the end. Um, so here's the deal. I've never used injectable L-carnitine before. I'm going to give it a run, so I'm glad to have this insight in my back pocket. Uh, I talked to a bunch of you about where to get my L-carnitine from, and overwhelming majority of people suggested Amino Asylum. So I, that's where I went through. I paid just like anybody else, got my order, and then I talked to the guys, and we set up an affiliate program. So at this point, I can get a discount for everybody. If, if you guys want to shop at amino-asylum.com and you use our code THINK, you will get 20% off your order. So check them out. Let me know if you have any questions. Uh, and of course, you can use the code THINK over at our title sponsor, True Nutrition. TrueNutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. They have high-quality, third-party tested supplements for performance, health, some of the best protein powders in the game. Uh, and like I said, use our code THINK over there as well. Hey, last but not least, I also wanted to give a huge shout-out to our Patreon people. And this is from the bottom of my heart. You know, it costs money to run a podcast and host all this stuff and all the software and everything else. Uh, so I appreciate you guys. Every $5 helps. Uh, it, it helps more than you know. And I appreciate you guys more than you know. I've got links to all this stuff below. All right, guys, let me stop talking and let's get to Scott. Now, um, it, what it sounds like you're telling me, too, is you're not saying that thyroid love, hormone levels will go down. You're saying that your ability to utilize your thyroid hormones would go down. Yeah, the, the one thing that is sort of a kind of an unknown there is that uh, L-carnitine um, has an inhibitory effect mechanistically at the nucleus on thyroid metabolism. Oh, really? So... Yeah. So, for instance, if someone is in a state of what's called thyroid storm, you can actually look at look that up on on Google Scholar. Um, the the emergency rescue treatment is to give them a high dose of of IV L carnitine. No kidding. Because it it will yeah it'll it'll Arrest block that. the the rest of that exactly. Huh. It'll it'll bring that to a standstill. It'll halt that. So, if you're if you're someone who's you know. Using and this is what I don't know. You know, this is a really difficult thing to measure because it's not as if it re is going to reduce your blood levels of thyroid. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna change the thyroid axis to some degree um, because its it, it effect is on thyroid's action intracellularly, hmm. and that could differ depending on which cells you're talking about. You know, so if you're thinking about the hypothalamic pituitary thyroid axis and release of thyroid stimulating hormone to tell the thyroid to produce mainly T4, which is then, you know, converted into T3 in the active tissues, you've got a, a negative effect on how, what thyroid is doing in those tissues. So muscle tissue or fat tissue or, or the, or the neural tissue in the brain yeah. that and the endocrine tissue. So, you know, you're you're going to have a, a, a reduced uh, thyroid signal coming back, which would tend to increase thyroid output um, to compensate. And that's the feedback inhibition. So that's what you typically would see. But you've got that complicated by the fact that some people will probably be using when they're using thyroid T3 and T4. Mm -hmm. And it would make sense because L-carnitine is going to 
negatively affect thyroid action. Huh. I did not know that. With thyroid. Yeah, it's kind of an unknown thing. So um, that's part of a, you know, part of why some people probably have better results than others as far as L-carnitine goes. And it's, you know, it could have, to, it, could, it could have something to do with your initial L-carnitine status. Um, mm. This is, so, uh, you know, there's, this will, we'll just talk about L-carnitine because it's a cool topic, you know, it's, yeah, I love it. We talked about it with John at the, at the Swiss symposium. So L-carnitine and creatine both tend to be found in meat. Yeah. And both are elevated from by, by taking in meat. So they're both diet. There's a diet will determine to some degree the tissue levels and actually creatine and L-carnitine um, levels in, 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 in meat or in muscle tissue can be elevated by insulin as well. So, and I think L-carnitine may actually uptake, maybe regulated by sodium. So there's, there's a sodium transporter that's also uh, connected to creatine uptake. So they're very much taken up in the cell um, in analogous circumstances from the same food source, the same hormonal regulation of uptake, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and insulin actually regulates thyroid um, metabolism too. T4 to T3 conversion in the, uh, in the liver is regulated by insulin. So if you're eating more carbohydrates, that's going to tend – to create more T3 from the T4 levels in the blood that's that are there, and just I know it for, for sure in the liver, um, the uh, iodinase there is is regulated by insulin. So in other tissues, I'm not sure, um, probably, but I haven't. I can't say for for sure. So you got this pretty complex situation where you're, if you're injecting, if you're someone who's just low in carnitine, because some people are just lower in creatine. Like if you're a vegetarian, you'd be very low in creatine. Those are the best responders to creatine supplementation. Hmm. If you're someone who maybe doesn't eat a ton of meat or just genetically speaking, you just tend to not have high levels of L-carnitine, you're going to have a really good loading effect from L-carnitine. Yeah. And what that does is it shifts your ability um, to uh, use fat as a source of fuel. So you generally run on more fat, generally speaking. And that's it's kind of like what growth hormone is doing in a sense as well. Growth hormones liberating more fat from the fat cells, so you've got greater fat available as a as a fuel source. Hmm. So it's going to be, tend to be kind of sparing, and and then that gets complicated because it also has an impact on insulin sensitivity too. Hmm. Um, but back to the L-carnitine. So some people are going to load really well with L-carnitine. They're going to get a good effect just because they're loading better, just like people get a good loading effect from creatine. Right. Um, so so that's going to impact how well the carnitine helps with fat loss. If you get a loading effect, you're probably going to have a, a better shift in metabolism towards using fat, and you're going to be able to have see, see greater fat loss because you're going to drive more of your daily energy expenditure from body fat more easily, at least that way. So that's the shift hmm. um, that would happen. The growth hormone, you know, would affect as well. Growth hormone is not like boosting your metabolism tremendously, but so let's say you you do have that with L-carnitine, and you're constantly using L-carnitine. So you're also reducing the impact, reducing the effect of thyroid on your, on your overall metabolic rate. So if you're someone who also, for whatever reasons, tends to get a really negative impact on thyroid metabolism and your basal metabolic rate or your general metabolic rate from, from the carnitine, then you may have shifted really well into using fat as a fuel, but now your metabolic rate is slowed. Hmm. So you have kind of a metabolic adaptation, you know, 
to the the L-carnitine so that your energy expenditure goes down. You're using more fat, but you know, let's say you go from just 2,500 calories as your 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 uh, caloric equilibrium point to 2,000. It doesn't matter, you know, if so now instead of like having a, a 300 calorie or 400 calorie a day caloric deficit, now you don't because your metabolism has slowed down so much. So it doesn't matter that you're using more fat as a fuel, relatively speaking. You don't have a caloric deficit. You're not going to lose fat because hmm. you're, you've impacted your thyroid metabolism so it's much. canceling it out. Exactly. It's like okay. you could be shifted like all fat use, yeah. but if your metabolism's in the shitter, you know, your, your metabolic rate is like a turtle. It doesn't matter if the turtle is, you know, a fat mobile, a fat using machine. It's not, you don't have enough energy expenditure to create the deficit that's necessary for overall fat loss. Yeah. So, so that's, you know, that's an issue. And I don't know how much, um, you know, thyroid, even, even if let's say you see, this is so, it's very, so complicated, you see that the L-carnitine reduces the, the, uh, the effect of thyroid on this, on the body cells, and that also happens in the brain. So you see an, an increase in thyroid output from the brain. So you see, you know, some normalization, let's say, of thyroid levels when you do blood work. That still doesn't tell you what's going on in terms of metabolic rate per se. Yeah, it may be that you don't have full compensation for that um, in terms of thyroid output. So how much? You need to, if you're gonna, if someone were to supplement with thyroid to offset that negative effect of carnitine on metabolic rate, how much thyroid you'd have to elevate, supplement with, and to what extent you might want to elevate your normal thyroid levels in the blood to offset that impact of L-carnitine is a big question mark. At least as far as you know from the information that I have, I have no idea how much it would be. It's probably yeah. variable, like almost everything is. So huh. you'd at least want to stay you thyroid in terms of maintaining normal thyroid levels. Now, um, it, what it sounds like you're telling me, too, is you're not saying that thyroid love, hormone levels will go down. You're saying that your ability to utilize your thyroid hormones would go down. I, I have a follow-up question, but yes or no? Am, am yeah. I, okay, so yes. yes with that, meaning that you couldn't go in and do labs to say, hey, my thyroid's low. Because your labs would still show that your thyroid was where you wanted it. The, the levels were where you wanted them to be. It's not showing that the thyroid isn't getting used properly. Correct? But yeah, possibly. possibly. The labs, the, the, the thyroid levels aren't going to reflect the, the action of thyroid on the cells. Yes, that's because, okay. That's what I was asking. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing is that you, you might think, well, if the brain is sensing less thyroid because the L-carnitine is, is reducing the thyroid stim, the, the, the action of thyroid on those cells that produce TSH. Um, then you might see the brain's like, oh, we got to compensate. You know, we've got low thyroid action. We need more thyroid. That might then produce mean that you produce more T4. Yeah. But on top of this, we need to remember that you're doing you're doing all this with the caloric deficit, which is going to tend to reduce your thyroid too, to some degree. Hmm. That's you know because you're you're trying to create a caloric deficit, so you're you're gonna have some ex, some degree of metabolic adaptation, but yeah, like so you're like you're kind of in the dark. Normally, say okay, my thyroid's in the shitter or my thyroid's really high, um, 
And so I'm going to, you know, adjust that. If you're someone who wants to, you know, use exogenous thyroid to do so, you'd want to adjust that. But you're really in the dark because the normal blood level, blood levels are are not telling you what they normally would. Yeah. Because they're not reflective of what activity thyroid actually has has on metabolic rate. Huh. Okay. So you could I mean there's just like none of this is going to really going to be quantitative, or well, some of it could be. But you know, you could look at, for instance, heart rate. You know, okay. If your heart, if when you thought when you're hypothyroid, you, you tend to have a low heart rate. If you know you're bradycardia, if you're hyperthyroid, you tend to have an elevated resting heart rate. So look at um, your heart rate before you start the carnitine, then look at it while you're taking the carnitine, and if you see a change, that could be a sign, is what you're saying. It, yeah, it would it would tell you some degree that you're that you're exactly that your metabolic rate is slowing. Okay. Um, uh, and of course, heart rate's reflective of like training status too. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Elevated heart rate is something you'll see with overtraining. Um, uh, uh, the way to really kind of get it done is if you could get a, a, a BMR, a basal metabolic rate test done. Okay. With indirect calorimetry. Go to a lab someplace where they where they hook you up to the same machine they do <laughs> they use to test VO2 max, maximal oxygen consumption. Uh huh. And you just go in in the morning, like you try to scoot in there with minimal activity. You know, when you're fasted, and then. You get your metabolic rate measured. Okay. Temperature is another one. Body ah, temperature. Okay. Which is a really good one. Um, I've noticed you using can, you know, track that. I've I've used a thermometer on prep to track my morning temperature and look for variations. I've seen very small variations. It's been uh, at least on my thermometer at home. I haven't seen much much change. I mean, I could be taking you know, what I would consider a, a, like a high dose of T3, 50 micrograms and, you know, 80 micrograms of clen and still, and I'm making those numbers up, uh, but right. I, and not see much change in my temperature. Yeah. Oh. And that, I mean, because the t- T3 is probably offsetting what would normally be a larger reduction in temperature, maybe mm. for you. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're maintaining body temp because that's kind of what you want. You're trying to maintain a metabolic rate and it's reflective in the temperature. I see. So that's exactly what you'd hope to see. So, uh, but that varies so much. That's the thing is, you know, it's one of the things that's been sort of a finger's been pointed at as far as why some people, you know, who tend, tend towards obesity and have difficulty dropping body fat is they have, you know, there it's, and this isn't all of it for sure, but they have, you know, there are some cases where people tend to have really robust, metabolic adaptation to a uh, dietary deficiency to caloric deficiency okay so it's not like the like that used to be like oh your metabolism you're going in starvation mode you know and your metabolism to drop to zero um but there are like you know they're clinically documented cases of people who have you know kind of super obese you know bmis like way people who weigh 400 500 pounds or just really really over overweight um clinically obese and they'll put them on. This is this is where like uh, um, protein sparing modified fast like really came from. Hmm. Is putting people on 800 calorie a day diets to try to like try to get the fat off no matter what. Mm-hmm. And still, there will be people whose bodies resist that. You know, and a lot of it's neat. Still, that you feel so shitty, like you don't want to do anything. You just kind of lie there, and you know, can't you know wait for the the three months to be over of your diet or whatever. Yeah, but some of it is metabolic adaptation, so that's going to vary. So that so that's the thing is like these, 
these, you know, you, you've, it, you've, you're just losing some of your insight as to how well thyroid mm. levels in the blood are predicting what's going on metabolically. So it's, it's, uh, I kind of point that out, like, not that I have like any, any, uh, solution necessarily for, you know, figuring out, um, what, what you wouldn't be able to figure out because of carnitine's effect on thyroid activity, but just so that people know, you know, that, um, it's a possibility. Yeah. So, and here's the thing, and I'll throw that this is kind of an important um, piece to keep in mind. And I've, and I've seen this, I should probably go and I could calculate this. And maybe it's even been calculated somewhere in the literature. So, when you look at creatine as something analogous to carnitine, look at the total, the total body stores of creatine are like average reference male. It's like 120 grams, I think in the muscle mass that you have and most people would load literally you're loading like between 20 and 40 grams total so from an unloaded state to you know the typical you know loading protocol of five days of 20 grams is 100 grams and more than half of that is lost in the urine so you're literally like you know you're filling the gas tank the tank's full and the gas is just bubbling over all over the all over the ground like Mm -hmm. it's it's not being loaded in the skeletal muscle wasted exactly so the same thing is is happening you know with with carnitine you can load slowly with gesundheit it's coming <laughs> you can load with carnitine slowly orally this early studies uh didn't find that effect because they probably weren't long enough mm. or using carbohydrate and now this is why guys are using insulin when they load with carnitine is to, mm-hmm. because insulin favors carnitine uptake um and but eventually, you know, you load from your starting level to some loaded level, and that's um, that's something that will ma- be maintained for some period of time. I'm not in creatine takes about thirty days to come back down to a baseline level. In carnitine, I imagine because it takes a while to load up. I imagine it, there's probably a prolonged half life in returning mm. the baseline levels as well. So it's you know the the other side of coming back down is probably reflects how long it takes to load too. But the point I'm getting to is that. You know, if you're, let's say you've loaded and you've used, you know, 400 or 600 or, you know, milligrams a day every day or, you know, on four or five training days a week when you're taking in carbohydrate or someone's using insulin to load, I don't know if you even need to do that. Eventually, you're going to, you might, you're going to get there faster. Sure. Probably with insulin and higher levels. But eventually, you've loaded the tank. And let's say, like, you know, that's a storage amount. I I don't know. Let's just say it's 50 grams. I have no idea, you know, how close that is to actual amount. But once you're there, you're there. So that's that the effect that you're looking for with L-carnitine is increasing the levels of L-carnitine acyltransferase. So, and this is getting into the, the mechanism how the L-carnitine works. When you when you oxidize fat, fat goes into cells. It has to be brought in the mitochondria. And then it gets broken down, and and you get make ATP out of the out of those carbon units. But hmm. to get in the the mitochondria, there um, acyl L carnitine acyl transferase. Acyl just re, is just refers to generic fatty acid. That is an enzyme. That's the enzyme that is considered the rate limiting rate limiting enzyme for bringing the fatty acids into the mitochondria to be oxidized. If, and you, if you have, this is where the idea came from, like, well, if, what if we load with L-carnitine? Do we get more of that enzyme? It turns out you do. You mm. load more L-carnitine. You have, and then you have a better ability 
to bring in fatty acids. You've increased that rate-limiting um, enzyme and thus reduced the, or in increased the rate at which you can oxidize fatty acids because you now, now have more of the L-carnitine acyltransferase available. But once you're there, you're there. Like yeah. the, the tank's low. You, you've maxed out. Like you got the turbo there and taking in more uh, L-carnitine is not going to increase your ability to oxidize more fat. You're, you're, you're basically, you've loaded up the tank, just like continuing with 20 grams of creatine a day um, is not going to increase at least creatine levels in the, in the tissue. There may be an anabolic effect to creatine, so that's another side story. But as far as I know, like there's nothing going on with taking in higher amounts of L-carnitine for a prolonged period of time once you've already loaded the tissue and elevated the L-carnitine acyltransferase to its upper echelon. It, it's going to plateau there. And you've gotten the effect, and you just want to keep that keep that in place, maintain yeah. that. Yeah. But and here's the issue: is that let's say like you could go for I'm just again making numbers. You could go for a week or two. So you go two weeks at 600 milligrams a day, and then you're loaded, and then you could maintain that with 100 milligrams a day because the levels aren't going to drop off once you've got them elevated. It's going to take some time. So that's good. That may not have really any noticeable, meaningful impact on thyroid metabolism because the L-carnitine levels are not that high. You could probably just continue eating a lot of meat and maybe even just use L-carnitine orally and be good to go. So minimal impact on your metabolic rate. But if you're like a good bodybuilder, more is better. You just keep using more shit. You might be like literally like pumping more L-carnitine into the system thinking you're going to get more fat loss out of that instead doing nothing but antagonizing L-carnitine or thyroid action at the cells hmm. and, and putting your metabolic rate in the shitter. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Not increasing your oxidation ability, not increasing L-carnitine levels in the tissue. You've already topped that off. You've already gotten all you can get from there. You just want to maintain it. All you're doing now is shooting yourself in the foot by pumping in more L-carnitine by maintaining that throughout a, a, a pre-contest period. Yeah. So then the, I can maybe look into that. I'm sure people are interested now because this, this is, you know, this is going to pique some interest, but I'll see if I can look into, you know, those, those, the, the, the dynamics, the pharmacodynamics um, with pharmacokinetics as well of loading and, you know, those sorts of things and see, get a kind of a handle on, you know, because we know this for creatine now. It's been studied so much. You know, this is the loading. You load, you maybe get 40 grams loaded total. You can do that with five grams a day for a month. You can do that with 20 grams for a week. Right. Um, and you can maintain with like three three grams, three to five grams a day easily. Yeah. Um, we know that for creatine, but we don't know those numbers. I don't know that those numbers have been figured out and, po and you know, published anywhere in the literature. Yeah. So. Huh. Anyway, hey, uh, before we move on. on, can I ask you just a yeah. real basic question? Um, yeah. When would be the best time to use L-carnitine in the day? So like creatine, um, uptake is regulated by muscle contraction too. So ex training when you're, when you're actually lifting is going to, is going to help with, with the loading and insulin and, or carbohydrate, which is going to store carbohydrate and protein are going to stimulate insulin release. So a good time would be like right after your workout when you've, when you've got that um, pre-existing effect of the, I, I think, I think that the previous exercise would um, help with creatine, with L-carnitine loading if you took it in 
after a workout. Okay. More certain is like if you if you took it in before a workout. So if someone doesn't want to use an injectable L-carnitine, you can load orally. You would put your you know L-carnitine tartrate or which you know whichever bioabsorb bioavailable bioavailable absorbable form you use in an intra workout with carbs and protein. Yeah. So you've got insulin, you've got delivery because of the exercise, you've got whatever effect exercise is having on the loading of the L-carnitine. So around a workout before and or after with carbohydrate is the, the short answer okay. to your question. Okay. Now that makes sense. Um, and, and you had mentioned the oral, um, and you did allude to that the oral takes longer to load. Now I know that at that, the, it was the seminar, a couple seminars back at the Arnold, uh, that you and, so. and John had talked about this and I had no idea that, I'm getting a weird feedback all of a sudden. Are you hearing my voice? Nope. There we go. I'm good. I uh, okay. All right. Um, I was just going to add, uh, I didn't know until I was at that seminar uh, that uh, it takes a long time to load the oral. Uh, what kind of a time frame would you say that would be uh, to get that oral in your system versus, say, the injectable? That, that was the... Um it was a Paul Greenhalf's lab. He's the guy who did some of the original creatine research. So ah. I, I think Stevens is the first name on those papers, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S. There's like three of them that came out. And the, in, that, in that study, I think the, me the last measurement was like 12 weeks. Okay. Um, now, they, it wasn't like – it wasn't as if they didn't have like multiple groups where they, you know, like really mega dosed them, you know, every day or multiple times a day. And you know, tried to. That wasn't the purpose. Was to see how long, um, if they if they rapidly speed, uh, sort of you know, speed up that process. Yeah. Um, but the, the the issue is is getting the blood levels elevated. Mm -hmm. um, that's why. Uh, that's why it takes longer orally. So you know, if someone were to use you know like a gram, like literally have a gram with every meal or something like that, you know, and have, oh. you know, some before and after training and during training, it, it might, it's going to be probably a month, you know, it's going to take longer okay. than the injectable just cause you just can't get the blood levels that high. Yeah. Um, and people, there's also, uh, um, when you take in carnitine orally, there is a, uh, carcinogenic chemical that's produced in the gut that's been associated with colon cancer. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so people will see that. You can Google that and dig into that literature too. So, okay, um, it, it may that it's they like you know meat consumption has been associated with colon cancer. Mm, so yeah. and this is meat where you is where you find yeah L carnitine. So that might be part of that connection. I don't know where the literature stands on on the extent to where that's you know the truth of that. But yeah, so it, it it's that's the thing. Like the one way to go about it is like if someone like get yourself loaded. And then, you know, and I haven't seen like this exactly tested, but once you get yourself loaded, if low, if, if oral, oral consumption will load you, yeah, then oral consumption will maintain the load. There you go. Likely. There you go. As long as you time. had enough consumed orally, um, you know, you'd have right, to right, yeah, keep it up there. Right. As long as you, exactly. So as long as you got a high enough dose to, to load, you're going to have a high enough dose to maintain. And so that's an easy thing to do. You don't got to stick yourself. So if someone were to want to do an injectable, they could load with an injectable, get themselves loaded, and then maintain with an oral. Yeah. Um, and you know that's avoiding the you know 
the, the pitfalls of injection and the pain that comes with, you know, with some of the injectables that are out there. Yeah. That I'll be interested. Yeah, yeah. I'll be interested to see how this stuff works. Um, uh, I guess for anybody tuning in, we just started talking about uh, injectable carnitine because I, I got some from a company that is probably going to be, I think our new, at least like affiliate. And I have a code for them uh, that offers 20% off now, which I didn't get to use because I bought it before that, but they have uh, L-carnitine at 200, 400 and 600 milligrams per milliliter. I've heard people say that it's painless. Uh, I'm going to try the 400 per milliliter and I'll right. see how that goes. And I think I'm going to start with just a half, half CC to begin with. Uh, just to make sure that it's not oh, yeah. that painful, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and then I'll go from there. But I'll I'll keep everybody posted too. I've never used it. Like I said at the start, I've never used L-carnitine. Uh, I I mean I did once years ago orally, and I never took it long enough to see a mm-hmm. result, and then I abandoned it from there. But like I mentioned at the beginning, seeing people like you know you talk about it, uh, John talk about it, Victoria talk about it, I feel like I, you know what? I mean, it's time I give this a try. So thank you for your insight. Yeah. Yeah, man, and the, the thing is, like at 400 milligrams, you know, if you want to maintain with a, a super, like it would be like nothing, you know, to probably be able to maintain um, with an injectable because okay. you're going to get, you know, higher elevations. And the thing that, you know, I, I haven't, here's the thing, just kind of stepping back, I haven't ever seen, it's not something that's like, oh, you know, you eat too much meat and you're going to, your metabolic rate's going to go down. Yeah. You know, we, ketogenic diets tend to show a little reduction in, thyroids, there might be a a connection there, but it's not like, you know, steak and chicken, you know, things that contain L-carnitine are known for reducing your, 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 your metabolic rate. So if you're taking in a a lower dose, a maintenance dose that you get from a supplement, um, you know, you're probably not going to have that metabolic rate that comes with what they use in that rescue situation where they, you know, inject a massive dose of L-carnitine to keep someone, you know, from, um, you know, their heart exploding because they've got so much thyroid. Um, they're in a thyroid storm situation yeah, from a thyroid sense. overdose. Yeah. Yeah. So. 